Hi, welcome to the Refuge House broadcast. We are so glad that you decided to join us today. Here at the Refuge House, we help people discover their God-given uniqueness through the teaching of God's word so that they can be empowered to make a difference and impact the world for Christ. So here's what you need to do. We need you to grab your Bible, your notebook, your pens, and then get ready for a powerful message and see what God is going to do. I believe there are people in your life that probably need this message. So go ahead and share this to them and invite them to be a part of what God is doing today. Thank you and enjoy this week's message. Satan hates marriage. Say that. Say Satan hates marriage. Yeah. The first marriage that took place was in the Garden of Eden. God did that one himself. Man shall leave and they shall cleave. So God was the first person that instituted the first marriage. And the devil understood the power of the marriage union. In order to spoil the agenda of God through man, all he needed to do was to attack the union. And he did that through deception. And when Adam and Eve fell, the entire creation fell. But praise God, there's restoration in Christ. Amen. Yeah. So let me say there's restoration in Christ. I'm going to show you some very practical principles that will help you. I believe in this church there are those who are married. I, me, my wife, some of you. There are those about to be married. Yes, one of them is sitting in front of this church. There are those who will marry very soon. Except you want to be, uh, you don't want to marry. You will marry very soon. Don't mind him, but he's married though. The, do you, are you not going to marry? To marry is godly. It's not, it's, not, it's not your idea. The only thing I said is make sure that your version of marriage is the same version God has. Because some of you, the kind of idea you have a marriage, even God that made it doesn't have it. The way you're thinking, the way you, the, the way you're thinking about men, even God is not thinking like that. And the way some of you guys are thinking about women, say my wife, when they say my wife, the whole idea of my wife, God doesn't even have it. It's your own idea. Just make sure your idea of marriage is in agreement with the idea of the creator. Otherwise, I don't know what you're doing. Is that clear? So we're going to get into the word of God and understand how the enemy engages wives. I, I was meditating on this because came, we came back a bit late. I was a bit tired, but it was amazing. Picked up this morning and continued. Go to Hebrews 13, verse 14, verse 4. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 4. We're going to see how Satan uses this while in the marriage Relationship. My relationship. Hebrews 13 and verse number 4. Are we there? The Bible says marriage honorable. Now the word is, is italized. Meaning it wasn't part of the original translation. So it was added for illustration. Sometimes it helps, sometimes it doesn't help. Okay? So it was added by the translators from the original Greek text. So the, the original reading will be marriage honorable in all without the is. That's the original rendering in the Greek. Marriage is what? Honorable in all. So that means the word marriage is noptia, which you know. In the Greek, it means uh, a union between two. So marriage is a relationship thing. In this case, the relationship between a man and a woman. So when the Bible uses the word marriage, it means union. Everybody say union. And according to God's word, marriage is what? honorable in all. What is, not some, what? All. There 
reveals the purpose of marriage. Marriage is what? Honorable in all. You've heard all kinds. That's why I said, I hope your version of marriage agrees with God. Did you hear what I said? Somebody said, but you know, this marriage is not easy. Are you sure you are practicing it the way God asked you to practice it? If you practice it the way God asks you, you will say what God says you should say. Then there are some of you that are afraid to marry. You know there are people that are afraid to marry. You know that. It's not a marriage class, but I'll say something. There are, there are some young guys, they are afraid. They won't tell you. Say the person I won't marry never come. Not true. You will fall from heaven. I mean, you'll fall on your bagam. You say, nah, I don't come. The truth is that you're afraid. You're afraid and fear is a product of ignorance. You are afraid of what you don't know. So the cure to fear is knowledge, understanding. So as you understand the purpose of marriage, it will free your heart. Because there is nothing God will ask you to do that will put a strain on you, except you are not doing it his way. Are you listening to what I'm saying? Alright, so the Bible says marriage is what? Honorable in all, not some, all. Marriage in all is part is honorable according to the creator. And the bed on the fire. That word bed means the marriage bed on the fire. But homongers and adulterers, God will what? Judge. So God is saying that the purpose of marriage is honor. Everybody say honor. Let me read uh, uh, a translation from Weymouth. It says, let marriage be held in honor among all. I like that. Let marriage be held in honor among us. So if you are married, you have been married into a divine institution of honor. Say amen. amen. Did you hear what I said? Yes. You've been married into a divine institution of honor. Marriage is not your marriage. Bump again, train them, send them to school. You are thinking like, like, um, like a natural man. It's much more than that. Are you hearing what I'm saying? There's a purpose for your union. You need to understand that. All right. Marriage is one of the most powerful relationships on earth. More powerful than even government. Did you hear what I said? Most powerful relationship. When we say something is powerful, it means it has the ability to wield influence. Is that not true? Yeah. Marriage is powerful because their children are birthed, raised, trained, and sent into the world. So marriage is the most powerful relationship on the earth. One of the most powerful relationships, not the most powerful, one of the most powerful relationships on the earth. To begin with, why, why is it so? To begin with, scripture compares our relationship with Christ with the marriage relationship. What, what the, the Bible uses to illustrate the union you and I have with Christ through salvation is the marriage relationship. Marriage is used to illustrate the way Christ deals with his body, marriage is used to illustrate that. That's how important and honorable and powerful marriage is. Say amen. Yes. Say amen. Yes. Go to Ephesians 5, 31 and 32. I'd like you to pay attention to what I'm going to be saying. Ephesians 5, verse 31 and 32. The Bible says, for this cause, or for this reason, or for this purpose, shall a man leave his what? His father and mother. He will not carry them. He will leave them. Is that not so? Shows that you've grown to a place of accountability, emotional maturity, 
All right? Financial to an extent, man, because if you want to wait till you have all the money to marry, you will not marry. I hope you know. I hope you know. Uh -huh. so not everybody will marry like Mercy Chiu. She was a smart lady. She waited until she had some platform for that. But, but it's, not a, it's not a guide. It's not a rule. Marriage is not about celebrity. In, your, in the Bible, what, what, like I, told, I shared with you, what the church does is to bless you. And bless your union. That's our rule. That's our rule. Uh, what do people call this thing after marriage? What do you call that thing? Reception. Is, that is a private opinion. It's not a scriptural opinion. It's a private what? It's a private thing. It's according to your pocket. If you don't have, just bless you, go to your house. Anybody that wants to greet you, greet you. Say you're not chop, go to your house, go chop. Eh? If you have money, do. But I've always advised people that want to get married. First of all, first lesson, you don't marry from people's pocket. Don't go and be using NVI to be looking at somebody. They want to do their own like your own. Say we'll go do reception, we're expecting 500 people. Is it crusade you are holding? Want to feed everybody. What will you people eat? Some of the 500 people you want to feed, they don't even know you. They don't, some of them don't like you. They just go eat your food. Says, you see the guy food says, he give us rubbish food. And they're eating it all. Don't <laughs> anyone you want to please. There's some of you, you are so bound by people's fear of people. What did they go talk? What did they go talk? No, no, no. I said, what did they want talk? As if what they will say matters. You know, what did the court talk? I the court see me. Who is even watching you? See you. See you as what? That's how we import pressure on ourselves. So if you cannot afford it, do what you can afford. If you put stress on the guy you want to marry, trust me, six months after now they pay me, they will phone you. Hey, don't they call? Don't they call? Don't they call? Then your, your heart will be beating. When you see you now be dodging, for what? Now why are you stressing yourself for nothing? It is not, listen, marriage is the union. It's not about the celebrity thing. Get it into your heart. So it's my day. It's, your, it's not your day, it's our day. So it's my special day. No, it's our special It's you and your spouse special day. Many of us through wrong mindset has hijacked marriage from God who created it and we have manufactured a version that has nothing to do with what God said. Nothing. And we're wondering why we are tense. Why will you not be tense? When you go and carry load, God didn't give you. So he said, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife. That's marriage. To be joined. Everybody said to be joined. The church acknowledges you honor your parents that trained you, raised you. We've put some celebrity to it. We call it traditional marriage. That's a variety of words. Your parents gives you out. You know, that's what the Bible says. They honor. Yes, we've raised you because you didn't fall from heaven. They give you out, bless you, and they give consent. The situation doesn't have to be big. And as parents, you take charge. You won't have one useless village person. Come and take over your daughter's tradition. Like, for instance, my daughter wants to marry. One idiot will come and tell me, they're, like, ah, yeah, they're not born you well. It is what I say that will stand. I don't care who you are. Anyway, they know me very well in that one. The, all the elders there say, no, mind that one. You know, they hear. Are they here? Not you. 
Do you understand me? You got to take charge. Many of you have submitted your future to culture. So you know, so now, which now, so now, how I want them, it go be. If you don't want, I'm not going to invite you. And even if I don't invite you, I've not committed anything. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of us put ourselves under unnecessary pressure. What would they say? Make that talk. When you're hungry, how many of them give you food? How many of them give you food? Putting yourself under. Pleasing people who hate you. Bring the food, come. Yeah, 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 yeah man. They chop you, they insult you on top of the food. Because you want to please everybody. No, not like that. Very different. I'm Bible based. He said, and two shall be one flesh. Two shall be what? One flesh. One flesh, one flesh means a unity, sameness of mind. And it's only understanding of the word that can produce that. Sameness of mind. All right? Okay, 32. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. So the marriage was used as a schoolmaster to teach us about the relationship we have with Christ. That's how powerful and rest. So marriage is used as an illustration. Are you, are you listening to what I'm saying? Are you still here? The honor in marriage comes from the fact that it is a union, listen, that reveals the relational schematics between Christ and the church. You know what a schematic is? If you're a science person, you know what I mean by schematics. Schematic has to do with diagram. Everybody say diagram. The diagram. So the marriage between a man and a woman is used as a schematics to illustrate the relationship that exists between Christ and the church. Say amen. Say amen. It will shock you that some of the frustrations some of you are and pressure you're feeling in your marriage, it's not about marriage. It's about something else that you have brought into the marriage. I'm going to kidnap something from somewhere and bring it inside your marriage. And it's tormenting you. All right? So please keep that in mind. Write this down. What I'm going to show you is what the Bible says about it. And, and today, if you're a husband and wife, acknowledge this and say, I enter into the purpose of God for our marriage. Say Amen. Marriage was intended by God to promote his purposes and plan through honor. Marriage was intended by God to promote his purposes and plan through honor. Amen. Every time you hear the statement, the purposes and plan of God is summarizing one word, Christ. Everybody say Christ. Say Christ. Christ is the purpose and plan of God for man. Hebrew 1 says, is the express image of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear him. So Christ is a summary of God's purpose and plan for humanity. The knowing of Christ is the purpose and plan for humanity. And there are certain structures God has put in place to advance that. One of them is marriage. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So we can look at it this way. We can say marriage was intended by God to promote Christ through honor. Is that not so? We can replace purpose and plan for Christ. So marriage was intended by God to promote Christ through honor. To promote Christ through what? Honor. All right. Let us look at some of the honor that has been accorded to marriage. And, 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 and may this begin to renew your mind in Jesus' name. 
Go to Proverbs 18, verse 22. Let's look at some of the honor that has been given to marriage. And this honor comes through the man and the woman. Proverbs 18, verse 22. Are we there? Are we there? You should be there faster. Proverbs 18, 22. Whoso findeth a wife, what does he find? Finds a good thing. So say with me, say a wife is a good thing. Say that one more time. I know somewhere we say, hey, me good. Hey, okay, oh, thank God. <laughs> That's how bad your mind is. May your mind be renewed today. God calls you a good thing. Now, you may not be manifesting it, but that's who you are. The Bible says if you find a wife, you have found what? A good thing. So, potentially speaking, every young lady here, you have a potential for good. Did you hear what I said? Say, I have a potential for good. Say that. Say, I have a potential for good. I have a potential. You have a potential. He that finds a wife, finds. So, a wife is a good thing. Now, whether she manifests as a good thing or another is another question altogether. But it's good to know who you are so you can make choices that agree with who you are. Because when you're trying to be bad, you're going against your nature. You're going against what God calls you. Did you hear what I said? Say with me, say a wife is a good thing. Say a wife is a good thing. And obtained favor of the Lord. So, not only finding a wife is a good thing, it also brings favor. Somebody say it brings favor from God. Yeah, that means you're supposed to be better when you're married than when you're single. Not that there's anything wrong with you when you're single, but there's a better aspect of you that opens up when you are married. Do you understand that? First of all, you marry a wife, you find a good thing. And you obtain favor from God. Favor is grace. Say Amen. You obtain what? Favor. So marriage is a, one of the honor of marriage is favor. Favor comes with it. That's why it's honorable. One of the first department of honor is a good, a wife is a good thing. It's honor. Then another honor that goes with marriage is favor. Everybody say favor. So we've seen two honor. One, a good thing. That's the wife. Two is what? Favor. All right, go to Proverbs 19 verse 14. Proverbs 19. Now, for some of you uh, married women, you may not have seen yourself like this, but the reason why I'm reading is so that it will renew your mind and you start seeing yourself like this. You are a good thing. You are not a bad thing. All the women in the house say, I'm a good thing. If you are not a good thing, don't talk. All the women in the house say, I'm a good thing. If you don't talk, you, whatever thing you think is your business. But the one God said is you are a good thing. Say, I am a good thing. Say, I bring favor. Say that. Say, I am a good thing. And I bring favor. That's what you bring when you come into a union. That's what the word of God says. It's got nothing to do with what we think. It's what God says. Amen. Proverbs 19, 14. Are we there? What does it say? Houses and riches are the inheritance of fathers. And a prudent wife is from the Lord. Glory be to God. If you, if you run a search on prudent on the book of Proverbs, you will see the different wisdom behind a prudent man. But there's also a prudent wife. A prudent wife is a wife, the, 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 the Hebrew word for uh, prudent means insight. Everybody say insight. 
Every woman hearing me, whether you're married or not, there is a part of you, God, that's wired with insight. There are things you can see the man can see. There are things you can know the man can know. The problem is how you see it and how you show it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. But there's something God has put in a woman in, in that aspect, that expression called a woman that is a compliment to the man. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's called prudence. It's a manifestation of the wisdom of God for the union. There are things a woman can pick. The man may not pick it yet. But you can pick it. It's called prudence. It's called insight. It's one of the honor that God gives to the marriage relationship. Say good amen. There, there are some mumu men. What did I say? Mumu men. I call them mumu. Why are they mumu? Because sometimes they don't listen. And sometimes the reason they don't listen because even their wife too is mumu. Because they don't know how to talk. They don't. It, this mouth is not just to open it anyhow. Open it with wisdom at least. So that when you are saying something that people can hear, they will listen to you. Not because you talk anyhow, talk anyhow, they don't have value for your mouth. It's not anything talking rubbish. There are a lot of men that would have avoided certain danger if they are just listening to their wife. God activated that and said, tell him not to. This thing won't do. It's stupid. Sorry for a woman, I know the family very well. Don't want to mention something because I don't want you to speculate. The family of the husband called him one night and said they were to have a meeting in the hotel. Something to do business, whatever. Just on the surface, no, no, just normal business. But the wife picked up in a, in a, in a, in a leading in her spirit that the meeting was a dangerous one and that he shouldn't go. So he told the husband, I said, this thing you want to go, I don't know, this is what happened. I saw this and I picked up this. He was sharing it with the man. I'm not talking of suspicion. Oh, hey, please, I'm not talking of what? It is not suspicion. Oh, hello, what did I say? It's not what you call you go and watch one video in uh, Facebook. Then you'll not be using it to advise the man. That's not what I'm talking about. Oh. Hello? I am talking of direct download of information that comes from the Holy Ghost into your spirit with no reference but the spirit and the word of God. Are you hearing me? If you are trained with the word, you should be able to separate your personal proclivities and what God is saying. Because if you walk with God, you will know when God is telling you something. But he said, you are being superstitious. That's what he told the woman. You are being superstitious. Well, I was driving one day and boom, I just had a vision. In the vision, I saw somebody pointing finger and warning the man that I would deal with you. So I took my phone, called the man. He said, Pastor, what is it? They don't come to this church. I said, do you have a quarrel with somebody? Yeah, he said, it depends. No, not really per se. I said, no, I'm just, I want to be sure. Because I saw somebody warning you and they were going to deal with you. And no, the pastor said, it's okay, don't worry, everything's fine, everything. You know those people that wave things. I said, okay, I didn't talk, I kept quiet. The guy went for the meeting, came back, 12 midnight of that same day, he had a stroke. He never survived it, he died from it. So, lay on your head, everybody. Say, Lord, deliver me from Mumu. If you like, don't pray, it's your business. Say, Lord, deliver me from, okay, let me make it, deliver me from foolishness, say that. 
Say, deliver me from foolishness. Some of you are not laying your hand. I'm looking at you. Say, Lord, deliver me from foolishness. One of, one of the aspects of foolishness is assumption. When you assume a lot of things, can get you into trouble. There are many men who have lost business deal because of assumption. They don't listen. Spiritual things are not usually humanly intelligent. They may not make sense. But if you're a person who hears God, there are some, even if you don't agree, go and pray. Okay, no problem, I heard you. Let me pray. At least it will pull you to God. And if there's something God is telling you, you will finally hear. That's one of a prudent wife. You must see your wife as a partner in progress. What did I say? Partner in what? In pro I didn't say partner. I said partner in progress. The partnership is in your both of your what? Progress. You need to understand that. All right, let's continue. A wife is intended by God as a blessing of fruitfulness to the marriage union. One of the scriptural traits of a blessed man is a prudent wife. Quickly, Psalm 128, verses 1 to verse 3. Psalm 128, verses 1 to verse 3. It says, Blessed is everyone that feareth the Lord, that walketh in his ways. For thou shalt eat the labor of your hand. Say amen to that. Amen. Happy shalt thou be. Say amen. amen. And it shall be well with thee. Say amen. amen. Every, verse 3. Let's read verse 3 everybody. want to go. Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine. By the sides of thine house. Thy children like olive plants. Round about thy table. So one of the traits of a blessed man in God a prudent wife. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine by your side. Say good amen. amen. Come on, say good amen. amen. I am telling you what God says because we're going to get into the nitty gritty shortly. Alright? Now, the enemy, hear this, knowing the honor purpose of the marriage relationship seeks to corrupt and destroy the marriage union with his deceptive wives. We're going to go into how he does that. Turn your Bible to 1 Corinthians 7, verses 3 to verse 5. So you know where the Bible uses that. I know some of you have seen it in only one angle, especially for the married couple. But, but we need to understand the principle behind that thing you are seeing. The principle in this scripture is just one application of it. But we're going to look at the principle behind the application. Because the application not only applies to this, it applies to other areas in the marriage union. 1 Corinthians 7, Verses 3 to verse 5. Now, Paul began to talk about um, one of the... He said, look, if, if instead of you to commit immorality, go and marry. Now, that's a provisional statement because later he said, that's my opinion. That instead of you to bond, go and marry. Marriage does not cure immorality. I hope you know that. It doesn't do. Say, I know what to do. I can make I go marry. The thing when they make you waka, if you not deal with them, even after you marry, you go waka. Sure you know. Uh -huh. So you, get, you have to, it's a mind thing. You know, get your mind renewed with the word. That's important you understand that. Amen. But, but let's get to where I'm going. I'm focusing on verse 3 to verse 5. 
It says, let the husband render unto the wife due benevolence and likewise also the wife unto the husband. In this particular instance, the word benevolence is what you call conjugal duty. It's talking about sex between the man and the woman. That according to God's structure, it is the responsibility of the husband and the wife not to defraud themselves when it comes to sex. That you should render to your wife due benevolence and wife render to your husband the same. Don't use sex as a political weapon. Did you hear what I said? As a woman, when they are angry, action will go on holiday. If the man will touch him, I get a headache. You don't know what you are claiming. The headache will come. But did they pay me? Attire. I won't sleep. Catadin my nose. Back they pay me. My leg they pay me. My head they pay me. I sneeze today. I they cough. I get a headache. Women, you know what I mean. You can be playing all those games and you don't know God knows. God knows. And he says, stop it. Stop it. He said, go to the next verse. What did he say, verse 4? The wife has no power of her own body. Please, I, I don't want you to miss the sex application without understanding the principle. Why will God say this? Why will he say, husband, render to your wife due benevolence. Wife, do the same. It's the principle I want to talk about. This is an application of the principle. So there are two things in this verse. The principle behind it and the application itself. Many of us, we've always looked at the application side. Because that one, it pleases me. At least it addresses some. That's good, but that's not all. In verse 4, what did he say in verse 4? The wife had no power of her own body. But the husband, likewise also the husband, has no power of his own body, but the wife. That means you shouldn't deny yourself. That the moment you are married, your body becomes your husband, and your body becomes your wife. Are you hearing what I'm saying? That's what the Bible says. You're not to deny it. But, but why would the Bible say that? That's where I'm going with this this morning. Why would the Bible say that? What is at play here? Go to the next verse. Then he uses a very strong word. That when you are not, you are given unjustifiable, devious, and deceitful excuses political excuses not to sleep because you have some unresolved issue you don't want to talk about. Bible says you are a fraud. Did you hear what I said? You are what? You are being fraudulent. And a fraud is somebody who is a con artist. You are not trying to use something for your interest and for your profit alone. That's a fraud. And God says you don't do that. He said defraud ye not one another except it be with a consent. The only ground it is not a fraud is if there is an understanding and an agreement. Not when, when you're not telling for daytime. Now when you won't sleep now, you can say back, they pay you. You are a fraud. Did you hear what I said? I know some of you are shaking your body, but I will tell you. Vote on the man's side and on the woman's side. You are what? You are a fraud. You know, somebody say, you know, I don't know how to communicate. Liar. Everybody communicates. You just, have to, you just have to learn some manners. Do you understand what I mean by that? 
Don't, 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 don't believe that lie because you're trying to call yourself what you are not. Say, you know me, I, I know I have a problem with communication. You are confessing what is not your nature. So stop it. Say, I communicate well. If you know how much you have in your account and you don't forget, you are a good communicator. Is it not? Eh? You are a good communicator. If you can remember that one, you don't forget how much you have. You are a good communicator. So everybody communicates. God did not make some people bad communicators and some people good communicators. That will be against God. Because God is no respecter of person. Communication is a choice. Is what? And if you are not doing it because you didn't choose to do it, not because you're a bad communicator. So don't, don't approve attitudes that are against your nature in Christ. Don't do that. I'm not going to push this so far because that's not where my emphasis is. I'm not teaching a marriage class, but I needed, to, I needed to see that. God says if you do that, you're defrauding. Now, why will he say that? What's the principle behind it that is so strong that God will say it's a fraud? Defraud here not one, uh, not one the other, except it be with consent that you may give yourself to what? Fasting and prayer. And that fasting and prayer is because you need to spend time apart so you can spend time more with God. Is that clear? Fasting and prayer. And come together again. Now let's read the last statement. That what? The, the devil enters into the picture. That Satan tempts. Now please, if you are not married, you are single. Listen to me. Oh. That Satan tempts you not for your incontinency. Mark that last thing. That's what I want to pick it from. That Satan tempts you not. What? For your incontinency. Everybody say incontinency. Say it one more time. Say it again. Now, we have established from scripture that Satan is a tempter. True or false? True or false? The devil is what? He's a tempter. It is through temptation he baits you with his lie in order to get you to accept it. All right. Now, his goal with every temptation is to tempt men with the aim of either deceiving or misleading them from the truth. The goal of every temptation of Satan is to mislead you from the truth. So if the enemy is tempting in any era, there is a truth at stake. Do you understand that? There is what? Come on, talk to me now. There is what? There is what? There is a truth at stake. And Satan doesn't want that truth to speak in your life. And he doesn't want you to operate in that truth. And it is the truth in this particular verse that I want to bring out. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is that truth that Satan is going for. And that's what Paul reveals in the word incontinency. Everybody say that one more time. Say incontinency. incontinency. Hear me. In the context, the enemy seeks to tempt the marriage union with incontinency. Write this down. What is incontinency? I'm going to show you something from an angle that I trust the Holy Spirit will bring clarity to your mind. I'm sure many of you have read through this place and just pass it. But please, may you listen. What is incontinency? Simply put, it means lack of self-control. Before you jump into any assumption, we always say lack of self-control. We think it's somebody that is crazy. 
Say, no, man, I don't get control. Oh, no, 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 no. You are looking at it at the superficial level or at the manifest, extreme manifestation level. Lack of self-control. Write it down. Another word for lack of self-control is lack of self-restraint. So the word incontinency means lack of self-control. When the devil spots a lack of control, bam, he comes for it. Because lack of control means absence of truth in operation. So once he sees that, what does he do? Bam, he comes for it. The word incontinency is lack of what? Self-control. Say that one more time. Again. Again. Lack of self-control. Now, the word incontinency or lack of self-control has two applications. It has a biological aspect. If you read it from the biological aspect, it has to do with a medical condition in which someone cannot control his urine. Maybe he has a medical problem with his bladder, and as a result of that, he can easily pass out urine. Whenever it's pressed, before it gets to the toilet, the thing comes out. There are all kinds of funny, funny medical names for that. I am not a doctor, and I'm not interested. All right? So because of that, and when it happens, it can, it can produce a lot of shame. It can produce a lot of shame. Yeah, accumulation is very disgraceful and painful too. So that's the biological aspect. I'm not interested in that. And this is not a class for medicine. Okay. But, but there's another grammatical aspect of it that tallies with what I'm teaching and I need, you need to pay attention. Lack of control has two levels. We usually tend to talk about the external aspect where people notice certain manifestation, especially in a particular area that shows that you are not in control. But there are two levels of lack of control. Write this down. There's the internal level, which has to do with the mind, and there is the external level, which we are all familiar with. There are two levels of lack of control. Many seem to have it together on the external, but they are internally out of control. There are many who know how to package themselves on the outside. How many of you know what I'm talking about? They, they know how to dress well. They know how to look very cute. They know how to look very put together. They're very good with that. But internally in their mind, they're messed up. They're losing their thoughts. They're losing the way they think. And as a result of that, certain things they're supposed to have a grip upon, they don't have a grip on it. And once the devil notices that about you, he'll come for you. So the two levels, internal and external. Now, follow me carefully. <laughs> Scripturally speaking, write this down. Lack of self-control is the result of not submitting to the ways of God. Lack of what? Self-control is the result of what? Not submitting to the ways of God. When you don't submit to the ways of God, you can't control what he wants you to control. The reason why many of us are frustrated in life is because God designed us to be in charge. To overcome means to be in charge or to be in control. But when you are not overcoming, that means you're not obeying his word. You're not doing it his way. When you do it your way, <laughs> hmm. 
I'll get to that shortly. But if you're going to function as an overcomer, to overcome means to be in control God's way. Not in control your way. There's something wrong with that one. To be an overcomer is to be in control God's way. Everybody say God's way. Say God's way. Are you learning anything from this? Are you sure? All right, follow me. Scripturally speaking, lack of self-control is the result of not submitting to the ways of God. Whenever God instructs us to do something, he provides the grace to do it. In addition, whatever he wants us to do is for our benefit. Is that not true? Is it not true? If God tells you to do something, he gives you the grace to do it. And anything he tells you to do is for your benefit. So if you don't do it his way, what you are saying is that you don't need his grace and you're not interested in the benefit. Now, you can take a God thing and run it your way. That's what is called iniquity. What did I call it? I didn't hear you. It's called what? Yeah, that was what Adam did. That was what sin introduced to uh, Eve in the beginning. Iniquity is doing it our way. We can take church and do it our way. We can take the things of God and do it our way. And I'm going to show you that. Are, are you hearing what I'm saying? Listen to me. Our way and God's way are not... <laughs> Let me use a probability word. They are mutually exclusive. Everybody say mutually exclusive. In mathematics, did they teach you anything about parallel lines? What did they say about parallel lines? They never... God's way and our way are like what? Parallel lines. They will never meet. Never. Let me show you what the Bible says. Go to Isaiah 55. 55 verse 7. Isaiah chapter 55, verse 7 to verse 9. I'm building something. I'm a teacher. That's what I do. I build it so you can get it. All right? Isaiah 55, verse 7 to verse 9. Please pay attention. And if the sleeping is gone, just help yourself. Go and stand so you don't, you don't miss this thing. Isaiah 55, verse 7 to verse 9. Are you there? What does it say? Let the wicked forsake his ways. So, let me ask you a question. What makes a person wicked? His ways. His ways. Your ways, the way of a person is, a, we'll see that, is a reflection of his thoughts. How he chooses to think. When Bible is the word way, means how you choose to think on a matter. That's your way. How you do what? How you choose. So when God says, let the wicked forsake his way, God is saying, that thing that makes you think in a wicked way, stop it. Are you listening to what I'm saying? What do you do? Can I give an illustration? When somebody is difficult, you have, have you seen a difficult child before? Or a difficult person? A difficult person is somebody that just, just wants to listen to you. You know this is what we should do. This is where we should go. They will choose not to do it. You know why they're behaving like that? Because they've chosen to think like that. Because to be difficult is a way of thinking. What did I say? To be difficult is what? Nobody is born difficult. Nobody is born stubborn. They learn it. To be stubborn is a way somebody learns. To be wicked is a way. The word wicked is from the word twisted. When a wicked man is called, it's because he has decided to think in a twisted way. Not a straightforward way. 
All right, it says, and the righteous man, his thoughts. In other words, what characterizes a righteous man is unrighteous thoughts. Is that not so? Are you still with me? It's what? Unrighteous thoughts. Now, God says, let him return to the Lord. In other words, he needs to renew his mind and stop thinking like that. Return to the Lord. You do, the returning to the Lord begins with your mentality. Allowing your mind to change. Let him return to the Lord. What will happen? God says, whatever you've done, I will have mercy upon you. And to our God, he will do what? He will abundantly pardon. Now go to verse 8. For God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. I don't think like you. Neither are your ways. My ways, ways saith the Lord. That's why you need to return from your own to my own. Verse 10. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Write this statement down. Man's way will always lead to lack of self-control. Man's way will always what? Man's way will always lead to what? Lack of self-control. Man's way will always lead to lack of self-control. Please hear me. Proverbs 16.25 Man's way will always lead to a lack of self-control. Proverbs 16 verse 25. Are you there? There is a way. May you not be found in that way in Jesus' name. Yeah. I say, may you not be found in that way in Jesus' name. Yeah. There is a way that seemeth right to a man. But the end thereof are the ways of death. That way that you are going that has nothing to do with the word of God, it always end, it will end bad. You know, there are some people that believe that they are smarter than God. They believe they are very intelligent. Any way you choose that is not grounded in scripture is a bad way. God said, return home. Return before you reach the end of that road. Now, hear this. This statement, you need to write this down. God created man to be conditioned to function according to his ways. That's our original design. God created man to be conditioned through knowledge to function according to his ways. Say I was created conditioned through knowledge to function according to his ways. It's in your DNA to walk in the ways of God. That's why anytime you're not walking in obedience, you feel a cring. It's as if things are not, there's a weight. Something is twisted. Something is squeezing. Why? Because you're going against your conditioning. You're going against the way God designed you to function. But when you function and God, you feel this peace. Why? Because you're walking the way you were designed. Are you hearing what I'm saying? God created us, conditioned us to function according to his will. But Satan, through sin, introduce what is called iniquity to man. Every time you hear the word iniquity, iniquity is an offspring of sin, an alternative of sin. It is revealing to man. That's what he gave to him. Did God say you should not? No, God didn't say that. God said this. Ah, no, no, no. God, what God says is not true. He knows if you eat, you will become. What he proposed to Eve was called iniquity. Lost is an iniquity. 
it is an alternative to the way of God. Go to 2 Peter 2.15. Let me show you something. You remember Balaam in the Bible? In the book of Numbers? The king, Barak, the king of um, Moab, came to him. He said, there is this people that is blessed. I, I, I can't beat them. I've heard stories about them. And I need you to curse them for me so I can beat them. These men understood certain spiritual transactions in the spirit realm. And uh, they, they knew that if they're going to get success in the battle, they need some spiritual advantage. So he needed somebody who can will influence in the spirit to put some spiritual blanket over them so that they can beat them up. So he came to Balaam. Balaam had some relationship with God. So Balaam went to God. Oh Lord, God, first of all, when he came, God said, who are these people? I came to see you. Oh, he said, ah, they came from a very far country and they want me to curse these people. God says, you cannot curse them. Say, tell them to go away. Say, they are blessed. You can't curse them. Go. Tell them to go back. So the guy came back. Hello. Uh, I just spoke to God. God says, this thing you are asking me to do is not possible. So please go. When they went back, they came with gold. Everybody say gold. You know that kind of money you never see for your life before? You know, at one stage you say, no, I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I don't take money. I'm going to stand my faith. Then the, the guy will come and give you the latest iPhone. He'll tell you, I don't want to see you. Give you the latest iPhone. Just send you money to go. Let me send you like five million. See, just go and buy anything you like. Then he leaves you for like six months. You will be looking for him after six months. You will be doing follow-up with yourself. You'll be begging for him to take you out. That's how strong you can get. So when the, the man came out, he said, it's money. He said, okay, what I brought is not enough. Carry more. Show him what I can make. Tell him I can make him his wildest dream come to pass. I can give him money beyond his wildest imagination. Let him just do this thing for me. So when he came and he saw, he saw, everybody say he saw. He saw. Especially in this time where I live, that uh, dollar is how much now? Somebody now put $500, $1,000 in front of you. Jesus has to be in a life inside you for you not to see. Because if it's from some of the Christians I know, they will take it and say, God, forgive me. So when he saw that money, hey, let, that which brings me to 2 Peter 2.15. Let's go there. Because of money, everybody say because of money, he abandoned the way of God. And chose iniquity. Because of money. I met a, a, a lady who was having challenges. I wasn't married then. I was counseling her then. Married, had only girls. Only to find out after marrying the guy. The guy was part of uh, a cult. And because she didn't have a boy, the guy threw her out. So I was asking, why did you, I mean, from what you are telling me, you look like you're practicing Christian. He says, I regret. I said, why? He said, well, it was pressure from my father and my mother. That there was a guy that came that when I prayed, the weakness I had in my spirit was this person. But the man, and you know when the man, they come. You know that kind of guy, when he comes, you just drop 200K back home. Then your mother has not seen 100K for your father. Then the one that wants to marry the daughter is bringing 200K to just say good morning, you know. Then a jackpot or ATM will go like that. You go marry Amo. 
She became the Holy Spirit to the daughter. She said, Mommy, I don't. He said, Hey, you don't what? Now the person be this. You almost go suffer. Suffer nobody issue. Nobody issue. Nobody tire. This one love you. You see the way they spend money, so they spend the money because they love you. Uh, you see, now everybody man they spend money for. No, 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 miss this one. You go regret her more. My son, no worry. I go talk to Ram. I go, I go talk. When they are trying to convince, no, there's problem. Because what is should be. When everybody is not trying to convince you, something's wrong. Something's wrong. So she, she decided, you know, succumb to what the father and the mother want. And the guy started beating her. Threw her out naked. Took the daughters from her. She had to go to court to fight to get them back. And when she took the daughter, it's not that the daughters, they stayed with him. The woman he brought to the house, he took the daughter and threw them to somewhere in Lagos. Why she's in Portacourt. And the man doesn't live there. So that there will be isolation between her and the daughter. That's how wicked men can be. Or people can be. Because wickedness is a, it's not a, it's not a sex thing. It's a mind thing. You understand? It's not a male or female thing. It's what? It's a mind thing. Wickedness is a mind thing. It's a mind thing. Second Timothy, what did he say? When he saw money, what happened to him? He forsake the right way. There are many people who will abandon what the God, God is saying to them because of privileges. I was in Kano one time. Somebody met me, heard about me in Lagos. And I don't know what he told him. The wealthy guy, very wealthy, was very close to one of the governors in this state. He came for, we're not like this then. He came for one of our service and dropped 200K. I looked at him, I didn't talk. Well, just, what I used to impress me, I don't know. It wasn't long after, I was in Kano. I went for a program in Kano. And while I was there, he called me around almost 10 in the night. He said, uh, please, we, there's a need to pray for the governor. I said, which governor? He said, the governor of the state. I said, so. Um, you need to come so that we can go and pray for him. I said, no. I said, if you want me to pray for me, come to church. He said, eh? I said, come to church. That's my base. I'll pray for you people there. I said, sir. I said, come to church. He never called me again. But somebody warned him. He said, is it Paris not like that too? Me, you turn me to prayer contractor. You're not carrying me to one government house. As if I don't have assignment. Then when I pray, I will not sell my pulpit. Then I can't talk like this. Because if I'm talking with oil in my mouth, people will be laughing at me now. So no matter as they don't chop finish because they talk to you. I didn't chop. That's why my mouth is very sharp. Those who are very close to me, those who can survive me, they love truth and they love me. First of all, they love what? They love truth and they love me. If you don't love truth, you can't stay with me. When people see certain privilege, they will abandon the right way. It's after all, self, but it not be firewood. Eh? This kind of opportunity only comes by once. They go psychological. He forsook the right way and gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Pusor, or Pure, who loved the wages of righteousness. Iniquity is the invention of man's way. What did I call it? It is choosing to do things your way as against the way of God. It is choosing to do what? To do things your way 
as against the way of God. Go to Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29. And Psalm 106 verse 39. I'm going to lay the foundation and I'll continue with it next service. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 29. And Psalm 106 verse 39. That's the two last scripture I'm reading. Iniquity. How many of you know that whenever we worry, what we're doing is iniquity? We're choosing our way in responding to the situation as against what God has instructed us to do. I hope you know that. That's what we're doing. When you are worried, you are choosing your way as against God's way. And once you choose your way as against God's way, you know what you're doing? You're resisting the ways of God. You're choosing the ways of iniquity. Ecclesiastes 7 verse 39. What does it say? Lo, this only have I found. That God made man upright. What is upright? The word upright means God conditioned man to function according to his ways. Man was conditioned to operate by the ways of God. That's where your peace is. That's where your joy is. That's where your favor is. That's where your breakthrough is. That's it. You were conditioned by God to be upright. But what? What did sin do? But they have sought out many inventions. What is invention? Their own way. Their what? If you check, most of the delays we are having is from there. We don't want to listen to God. We have an impression or a mindset that we have idolized in our mind. And we are not ready to let go, even though it contradicts the word of God. Say, so, no, this is my thing. This is where I see it. This is the way. No, no, that, that's my thing. That's my thing. That, that's where you get people putting themselves in levels that God does. God is not even thinking. Or God is not even seeing. You, you make inventions of levels, inventions of things into your life that has nothing to do with the purposes and plan of God for your life. I have made man upright, but they have sought out invention. Final scripture, Psalm 106, verse 39. This is what our ways will do to us. And I'll stop with that. Psalm 106, verse 39. What does it say? Are we there? Psalm 106, verse 39. If you are there, say amen. It says, Those were they defiled with their own works. Our own work is a reflection of our own ways. And God is saying, if you walk your way, you will defile yourself. The word defile means to corrupt. He says, thus they were defiled with their own works and went a prostitution with their own invention. That word horrid means prostitution. They went into prostitution. They began to try their ways out and use different angles to their way, trying to prove to God that they know what they are doing and how they are thinking and how they are supposed to run and they want to prove to God that uh, they are clever. Let me say this in our random. Our way will always defile or corrupt us. Our way will do what? Why, why do you think Proverbs says trust in the Lord? By the way, I finished my four. You know I read my home before I come to church. In Proverbs 35, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Then the next verse, verse 8, it said, Be not wise in your own eyes. Be not wise in your own eyes. 
Our ways will always defy or corrupt us. It will always result in compromises. Hear me. Incontinency results in the marriage union when either one or both spouses refuses to submit to the ways of God. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I'm tying it back to what I said. Incontinency is lack of self-control. That incontinency results in the marriage union because in the place we read, the only reason a wife will defraud the husband or the husband will defraud the wife is because of incontinency. Is that not so? Refusal to submit to the ways of God. So, incontinency results in the marriage union when either one or both spouses refuses to submit to the ways of God. And I will show you how the devil attacks. Let me just read it for you to water your appetite. We'll do that after this program, which is two weeks from now. That's this Sunday. Hear this. One of the weapons Satan uses as a weapon of incontinency is to attack the submission in the marriage. And if you think you know submission, listen to what I want to say. Rise up on your feet. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Say amen. amen. Somebody say amen. amen. Somebody with testimony say amen. amen. Somebody say amen and amen. Say amen and amen. Somebody shout amen and amen. Wow, that came from the spirit. I don't know who that was for. See, if you are very sensitive, there are certain responses and action the spirit will trigger. If you are smart, flow with it because you don't know what you're dealing with or what you're addressing. But something just left now and the testimony is coming. Father, thank you for the word. Lift up your offering. Father, thank you for the word. Thank you this word will not return void. It will accomplish the purpose for which you have sent it. And it will prosper in the things that you desire. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. And Father, we lift up our offerings, whether online or given here. Lord, we worship. We acknowledge you as the source, supplier, and sustainer. You are the provider. Without you, we can do nothing. And we're not qualified to think anything that's coming from us. Our qualification comes from you and you alone. Receive the expression of our worship and gratitude. And we receive grace to always abound unto every good works. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, you're blessed. Please have your seat while you take the offering. Let's go through the quotes. As our custom is, we'll read it together. Are we ready? Yes, sir. One to go. Any... Want to go? Thank you for joining us today. Your generosity helps us to take this message to the ends of the earth. You can give on our website at www.therefugehc.org. So go ahead and click on the link in the description. Remember to subscribe to hear more messages like this.